Welcome, welcome everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to Who's Doing the Thinking with Shatea. I am your host, Shatea. And we are here to discuss the third indictment of Donald Trump. There is another one coming. Don't be alarmed. It's another one from the Attorney General of I'm sorry, not the attorney general, the district attorney of Fulton County, Georgia, whose name is Fonnie Willis. Fonnie Willis is nothing to be played with. She will be indicting Donald Trump either this week or next week for the interference of the election in the state of Georgia. I do want to let you guys know that this is a state case. So since this is a state case, he could not be pardoned if by some very strange chance a Republican gets in office and wants to pardon him from this particular um, crime. It is not allowed because this is a state situation. Every other one is Donald Trump versus the United States of America. So those are the two differences with that. Now you may ask, what is Trump being charged with this time? So he's been charged with four counts, right? So it's conspiracy to defraud the United States, conspiracy to obstruct an official proceeding, obstruction of an attempt to obstruct an official proceeding, and conspiracy against rights. We also know that there are five co-conspirators listed in this indictment. One is Rudy Giuliani. We have John Eastman, they're both lawyers, Sidney Powell, who's a lawyer as well, and Jeffrey Clark, who is a Justice Department official. And the fifth one just became public, and his name is Boris Epstein. I believe it's E-P-S-H-T-E-Y-N. I cannot pronounce that, but he is the sixth person fifth person whatever so the co-conspirators are not indicted they're just listed in the indictment and you may ask why why are they not indicted they did something wrong too very true they will get dealt with later right now we're focusing on the big fish jack smith nothing to play with he knows exactly what he's doing. What he doesn't want to do is bring more people into the mix and then they start to delay the process, right? Because then they can say, well, I don't, you know, I don't have a lawyer. I got to get a lawyer. I got to get the right lawyer. All of these things, there are little technicalities that can be uh, used to delay this trial. We don't need no delays, okay? We need this shit to hurry up and go so this man can be convicted and he can go to jail. Now, I've heard that a lot of people are a little annoyed that Jack Smith did not include inciting an insurrection in the indictment, right? So, the actual act. I gotta find what it's called. Okay, so it is the 14th Amendment in the Constitution. Now, it's the disqualification clause. It's in Section 3, and it says... No person shall be a senator or representative in Congress or elector of president 
and vice president or hold any office, civil or military, under the United States or under any state who, having previously taken an oath as a member of Congress or as an officer of the United States or as a member of any state legislature or as an executive or judicial officer of any state to support the Constitution of the United States shall have engaged in an insurrection or rebellion against the same or given aid or comfort to the enemies thereof, but Congress may, by a vote of two-thirds of each house, remove such disability. So people were hoping that Jack Smith charged Donald Trump with that because if he were to be convicted of this, he would no longer be able to hold office in any capacity ever again. And that's a win for the country, we know. But Jack Smith cannot prove that beyond a reasonable doubt that he conducted, started, participate. I mean, we know he participated in the insurrection, but it cannot be proven that he completely like started it like the like it's too it's too finicky right you all have to understand when some people when you see cases or hear about cases and you think the person needs to be charged with more go look up the charge right that they have go look up the charge that you think they should have and look at all of the evidence that you know about that's in the media or whatever and see if you could convince somebody like beyond a reasonable doubt is the key here that that person deserves what you think they deserve because here's the problem if you can't prove that you've lost your case then really nothing happens to that person you've done all that work for nothing because your cup runneth over you did too much. A good um, prosecutor knows how to charge. Jack Smith knows what he's doing. That's why I'm not upset about the fact that he did not charge him for inciting the insurrection. Because I know that in the long run, it's going to be better for us as a country. So don't get upset because Jack knows what he's doing. Trust Jack period. All right, so last Thursday, August 3rd, Donald Trump was arraigned for this case, for this indictment, and he had to go before Magistrate Judge Moxila Upadhyaya in Washington, D.C., in the federal courthouse. Okay, so he is not allowed to do certain things, right? So he was released and talk to about certain things that he cannot do. And the conditions were Trump must not violate federal, state, or local law while on release and that he shall not communicate about facts of the case with any individual known to be a witness except with counsel or the presence of counsel. And then the judge said the most important condition of the release is to not commit any new crimes while on release which could lead to him being detained and could add to the sentence he may eventually face. So she told Trump that it is a crime to influence a juror or try to threaten or bribe a witness or retaliate against anyone connected to the case. She told him this Thursday, August 3rd. So right after that, on Friday, he posts... On Truth Social, which is his, you know, social network or whatever, he posts, 
if you go after me, I'm coming after you. And then he posts a host of other things, right? Uh, yeah, that's witness intimidation, buddy. So Jack Smith wasn't playing. He went back to the court Friday and was like, listen, we need a protective order for evidence citing social media threats. He argued that Trump's case needs a strict order preventing Trump from mentioning details from discovery documents and evidence in public. So in the filing, Jack Smith wrote, such a restriction is particularly important in this case because the defendant has previously issued public statements on social media regarding witnesses, judges, attorneys, and others associated with legal matters pending against him. If the defendant were to begin issuing public posts using details or, for example, grand jury transcripts obtained in discovery here, it could have a harmful chilling effect on witnesses or adversely affect the fair administration of justice in this case. So Trump's people said, nah, we're not doing that. Like, there's, we're not doing no protective order because it uh, stops his freedom of speech and yada, yada, yada. Just a bunch of bullshit. You know, when you defend somebody, when you take on the job of defending somebody who's clearly an ass, who's clearly a, um, a criminal, who's clearly all of these bad things, you have to lie down with dogs and end up getting up with fleas. It's just what's going to happen. The stink's going to rub off on you. So these people are just as bad as Donald Trump. So they said, no, we're not doing that. And the judge said, okay, well, your appeal for this, I need about 5 o'clock on Monday. They said, oh, ho, ho, ho. We ain't got enough time. We ain't got enough time to get ready. But Donald Trump's judge, I mean, I'm sorry, Donald Trump's lawyer sure had enough time to get on um, TV this weekend, MSNBC. Um, he was all over the place talking about this case, and he's not supposed to be. No, no defendant's lawyer is never supposed to be speaking about a case during, like, this time like you're not supposed to do that any other defense lawyer would be like this is so wrong because he can slip up and say something and it can be used against him well he did that already he literally admitted to donald trump committing a crime he just did he did so now the judge is like listen i'm not giving you an extension on this we're not doing that monday by five o'clock and I have no updates. I have no updates. I don't know what happened. I haven't seen anything on MSNBC. Y'all know my phone be popping when stuff happens, especially when it comes to Donald Trump in this case. And I need to know everything about him getting in trouble so I can share it with y'all. Nothing. Zilch. Zero. Silence. What does that tell me? Nothing. <laughs> it tells me nothing, but it doesn't make me nervous. It makes me excited because... Something's going on, and I hope it's something good that is hurtful to him. Okay, so let me set the scene for y'all. We're in Montgomery, Alabama, right? Saturday, August 5th, nice outside. We chilling, good music. We at the riverfront. Everybody's having a good time. Lots of people. For $55, you get a half a barbecue chicken or ribs, salad, two sides, dessert, and non-alcoholic beverages. Everybody's having a time. Then it's time for the boat to dock. What boat? The Harriet II Riverboat. So it's like a 19th century riverboat. And, you know, it takes you up and down the river. It's really nice. Looks like a little ferry. 
cute. Very cute. So, you know, people got on there, took a little ride, right? Now it's time for them to dock. But they can't because there's a boat in a way. There's a smaller boat. So some people just pulled up, you know, tied their boat to the thing and, you know, hopped out. But they have to move it. So the dock worker asked them to move it because, you know, the Harriet has to come in. Well, they didn't move. They didn't budge. And the guy asked him again. They didn't move. They didn't budge. So he started to move it themselves because now the Harriet is just sitting there waiting. So can you imagine like, all right, you took your little, you know, you took your little boat ride. Now it's time to come back to land and you got people in your way. So you're like, why won't they move? And why are they there in the first place? Because they're not even supposed to be there. And you see that somebody's trying to get them to move and they won't move. They're not budging. Uh, yeah, I want to get back to land and now you're pissing me off because what the fuck are you doing? So the dock worker who happens to be a black man decided that he was going to move the boat himself because he can. It's not a big boat. It, you know, you just take your hand and move the damn boat down, up, wherever, whatever space that river boat needs. The guy was going to move the boat out of the way. So here comes the people who were on the boat who he had asked to move all those times. Here they come. They start arguing. Now, mind you, the black guy's by himself. Now, these people that had pulled up, they're white. So, they get to fussing. They get to, you know, pushing. And one white guy hit the black man. And the black man threw his head up. Listen, y'all. I don't know why the black man... I don't know why he threw his head up like that, but somebody needs to interview him. I need to understand why he did that because it looked like, like he threw it like you would throw your graduation cap, but he also threw it like Bobby Schmurda. Like, I don't, I don't know what the reason was, but it is, I mean, this turned into something historical and there's so many reasons and this is why I believe that there is a higher power there are spirits amongst us like I'm gonna get into it so when a guy did that he was down there by himself getting beat up because they jumped him and you can hear so the filming that is taking place is from the people that are on the boat so you can see that they are not they're still on the water but they're they're watching this and they're screaming oh hey hey don't hit that man like that hey hey oh somebody help him somebody help him right so our people we're going off we're going off then all of a sudden you see somebody jump off the boat to swim to the dock to help the guy, right? Now, it's just like, what a perfect... <sighs> I don't know, man. So somebody compared it to... I, you know, I don't watch a lot of, like, superhero movies. But somebody compared it to the end of, um... The Endgame? The Avengers. So the Avengers Endgame. I don't know if y'all saw, but, like, when that movie came out, the end, like, a lot of people recorded people's reactions to the end and it was very like climactic and people were 
crying and clapping and it was and that was very much what was going on in this this video while people were watching the video and there's so many reactions to the video so all right so the person that got in the water they lift themselves they you know he gets up he takes his shoes off and he's ready to go he ready to rock let's do it i'm ready so by that time, there's other black people. I'm guessing that they came from like, so the way the dock is, there is like a, um, like a ramp. So it's like a, a second level and there's like a ramp. So I'm guessing those black people saw what were happening down below on the dock and went down there too. So there's a little bit of black people there. Now, this fight is caught from so many different angles, y'all, which makes it so much better because people were, like, recording this. Thank God for technology. Now, what I didn't see before was how the boat was coming to the dock. Now, <sighs> the boat was slowly coming to the dock. And if you look closely you can see the black people getting ready to fight they are ready i what i don't understand is why the white people stayed there you had all that time to go if you really wanted to go you really didn't want to go when them black people got off that boat the men were skipping to the white people. If you see anybody skipping to you after you've done something wrong, you're going to get beat up. Like, you're going to get beat up. Like, they're ready. So they went over to the boat, the little boat, and the white people were in the little boat. And you could hear the people from, you know, on the top of the second level of the uh, ramp, the dock, Get his ass, get his ass, you know. They ready, they ready to, the woman's girl saying, they ready to move something, they ready to move something. So, oh my God, they just punch the guy in the face and they start fighting. And then it just like, then all the black people, they just come off, they just come off like, they all just come off like superheroes and it's just like a free for all and people just fighting and people get beat up and then one girl was beating this lady up and then she threw her in the water and oh my god it's just chaos it's all over the place it's all over the place but it is so good and then like people just pop 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 and like older men like in their 60s they going pop 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 it's like oh my god oh my god get him get him get him get him right because there's just like this thing in us get him get him all that we've been through in this country and it's like you never really get to get your lick back they're like we we could do a lot to to white people right racist white people we could do a lot to them and still would never add up to all that they've done to us so we got this thing in us like get him get him get him like get him so then this guy <laughs> This black man who looks to be like an older black man. He's probably like in his 60s or whatever. He gets this white fold-up chair, y'all. And I'm sure it's like a... I feel like it's like a plastic one, right? I don't know. I've never seen any white metal chair. So it's a it's a plastic one. This fold-up chair. And he hits this guy over the head with a pow. Oh, I was like, yeah, yeah. Now, mind you, the cops are here, right? The cops are here and they're watching because there's so much going on. And it's like, they don't know what to do. Like, what do you do? Just let them fight. Just let them fight. They fight and just let them fight. You know what I mean? So then all of a sudden, the guy goes over to this white woman and just, 
pow, right in the head. He got her in the head with the chair. Then they had to get in. They had to lock him up. Then the party was over, right? It's over. And I'm like, oh, man, he really, damn, man, he stopped the party. So they get him on the ground. They handcuff him. And, you know, they handcuffed the white people. And they did, I believe that they handcuffed the the dock worker um, that was jumped. And you could hear a young lady saying, nah, 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 they don't need to be, uh-uh. They don't need to lock him up because them white folks got started. Them white folks started. I got it on camera. They started, right? So, Woo. So we just got commentary from all different ways and we got the video from all different angles and it's just a beautiful thing. It's just a beautiful thing in Montgomery, Alabama. Mm, mm, mm. Okay, so let's get into the history of this boat. Let's get into the history of this dock and this area where the fight happened, right? So the Harriet ship has a long-standing history as it was first launched in Liverpool in 1786. Initially sailing between Liverpool and Barbados, the ship was later captured by a French ship, but the British Navy was quick to recapture it. The Harriet was a slave ship back in the 1700s. From 1798 to 1805, it carried thousands of slaves to Barbados and then back to Liverpool. However, post this, it was owned by Barton & Co. and also cruised between Liverpool and Africa. It now serves as a relaxing cruise and is one of Montgomery's tourist attractions which offers um, visitors, dinner, dancing, live entertainment, and more. Slaves arrived right there where they were at that dock. Slaves arrived to America that way. Now, come on, y'all. Think about that. Montgomery, Alabama... If you are a black person in any part of this country, we know about Montgomery, Alabama. We know about the church bombing that killed the four little girls. There's a documentary on it, I believe, on HBO called Four Little Girls. It is probably one of the saddest things that I've ever seen. I remember it watching it as a little girl and it was just, oh, it was just so horrifying. Montgomery, Alabama. So many lynchings, so many just horrific things happening to black people that this, this felt good. It felt so good, so good that people put it on their big screen so they can watch it, right? I've watched this video at least 20 times. I've shown people, we've conversed about it in great detail, all joy, all joy, right? Because as black people, we had this thing, man. So, you know, it's hard. We see our trauma on TV every day. We see our trauma on the news. We see our, our trauma when black people are killed by the police, right? And it's like, we can't really do nothing to the police, right? We got to let the courts take care of that. We can't go beating the cops up and all that stuff. We want to. We want to. But the fact that their police protects them. These people... They were not cops. So I feel like those black people, when we see, when we see, especially there, they are in Montgomery, Alabama. When they see a black man being bullied and being jumped by white men and women, okay? Because they, they got into that shit too. You know how they do, right? It is a 
it is a generational trauma that happens, right? It's a it's a it's a generational trigger, right? So you know how they say you know how they say your body has generational trauma, like the things that our ancestors experienced and the things that our grandparents experienced, right? It's in us. It's embedded in us because it continues today in different ways, right? So when we see that a white, a black man being jumped by white people, we we ready. We ready. We ready like we ain't never been ready before. And those people on the Harriet were ready. And they did what needed to be done. The other ironic thing is that the boat was called the Harriet. Harriet Tubman. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Wow. What a moment. Now people are making merch. I'm I'm here for it. I'll buy it. Yeah. The little boy that swam across um the water to help the man. His name is Aaron. Um Aaron released um a statement. So this statement is actually from Aaron's parents and it reads we sincerely thank each of you for blessing our son, acknowledging his efforts in yesterday's incident, and for your generous donations via Cash App and PayPal. Your support is deeply appreciated and will make a significant impact on his future. If you wish to make future donations, you can mail them to the following address. 3552 Pelham Park Way, number 1178, Birmingham, Alabama, 35124. And any future communications may be sent via email to info at com. That's M-A-K-I-N-A-L-A-S-H-E-A.com. We want to clarify that our intention is not to capitalize on nor explore our minor son. If you have any concerns, please reach out to our family representative. However, we must insist that you re- refrain from sending anything if there's any expectation other than to bless him. Furthermore, any negative actions will be reported to the appropriate authorities. Once again, thank you for your prayers of safety for our family, your kindness, and generosity. With heartfelt appreciation, Makina Lachey. That's the lady's name. Okay, it's Makina Lachey. Got it. But this is not the statement that I read. So there's another statement from him. Okay, it says, um, heartfelt gratitude from the publicist of our hero. Dear friends, fans, and supporters, we hope this message finds you well and filled with joy as we come together to celebrate the remarkable act of bravery and compassion shown by Aaron, our cherished young hero. In the face of adversity, Aaron selflessly came to the rescue of a fellow colleague, showcasing courage beyond his years. We are immensely proud of his actions and the values he exemplifies, standing as an inspiration to us all. The overwhelming love and support pouring in from all corners of the state and surrounding areas had deeply touched Aaron. Your kindness and encouragement have shown him the power of unity and the warmth of a caring community. The outpouring of affection serves as a reminder that together we can create positive change and uplift one another. We, the publicist team, his parents, along with his extended family, want to extend our sincerest gratitude to each and every one of you for your unwavering support during this time. Your messages and gestures 
of appreciation have not gone unnoticed and they have left a lasting impact on Aaron and his family. As we navigate the journey ahead, we kindly request the anonymity of Aaron to proceed, I'm sorry, to process and reflect on the whirlwind of emotions he's experiencing. We assure you that he will continue being a force for good in the world. Once again, thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Let's continue to spread love, kindness, and compassion, and together we can make a difference with gratitude. Marquina Lachey. That's it for this episode, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. I will talk to you soon. Bye.